Good morning. It's my privilege to do the first Bible reading today. The reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, and you can find it on page 559 in your pew Bibles. Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people of the harvest. People rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good morning and Merry Christmas. The second Bible reading today comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Polly. Uh, friends, it's great to be together uh, at Christmas. And I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, the thought that came to mind this year as we looked at Christmas was the, the word peace. Peace, what we all want for Christmas. 
If you would remember that we were just coming out of COVID stress and lockdowns in early 2022, 2020 and 2021 were not much fun. And in this area, we were locked down for months. We couldn't go more than five kilometers, amongst other things. But you see, just coming out of that, on February the 24th, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine and started bombing. War, death and destruction continues in that land. On October the 7th of this year, Hamas terrorists attacked Israel and killed more than 1,200 people. As a result, Israel has retaliated with brutal assault on Gaza. Close to 20,000 Palestinians have been killed, 70% of them women and children. The vast majority of Gaza's 2.2 million people are displaced, estimated half face starvation. Not far from that in Yemen, due to a civil war, millions of Yemenis continue to face the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, with more than half the population facing acute levels of food insecurity. In Sudan, in Africa, due to civil war, 10,000 people have been killed in the, this past year. Six to 12,000 have been injured, are the estimates. Over 4.8 million people were internally displaced. More than 1.3 million others have fled the country as refugees. I could go on. I won't. This Christmas, we definitely need the Prince of Peace. We need peace on earth. We need peace within. And we need peace with God. If we bring it a little bit closer to home, Sadly, for many at Christmas, our brokenness is highlighted even more than normal. Maybe your anxiety or your loneliness, just, or maybe just tired, you're weary with life, broken relationships, maybe a marriage breakdown this year, maybe a serious illness, maybe grief. In the last two months, we have buried six people just from our congregation. There is grief, and maybe you're experiencing that today. We know at Christmas, domestic violence increases. Marriages implode. Depression skyrockets. Floods in Northern Australia. I'm not a prophet, but potential bushfires coming maybe in the next couple of months leads to stress, anxiety, and we just wish there was peace. And today as we gather to remember Christ, today as you gather maybe and eat food, you may just think, I just want to eat, exchange a gift, lie down, have a good sleep, maybe go to the beach, where no one gets killed, there's not another car accident, there's not another war, there's not another catastrophe, a hurricane, tornado, an earthquake, a volcano erupting. You ever feel like that? God, can we just have some peace? But there is a peace that is found in Christ that surpasses what most people think about when they think about peace. Colin Buchanan put it this way a few years ago. He said, this Christmas I pray that the priceless peace won by God on earth, Jesus Christ, would be recovered and treasured by all who yearn for lasting joy. Sure, I'd like some nice fishing gear, 
but our family, our country, and our world is aching for something that hundreds of thousands of Aussies will actually be singing about this Christmas at various carols events. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Friends, he has come. The Saviour has come. And firstly, he is a saving God. And we serve a God who comes to rescue us because he sees that we're in desperate need. He came to the hills of Bethlehem. He proclaimed a message of hope to a nation under the domination of a foreign power, ruled by a tyrant king. He comes and brings hope. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, we read, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. What an amazing thing. The shepherds are the outsiders. The shepherds are the rejected ones. The shepherds are the poor ones. The shepherds are the ones that don't matter in the world. And God comes to them. And God reveals to them a message of hope, a message of a future, a message of peace, a message of joy. He goes to the outsiders. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, as you and I would be. Imagine God turned up right here, physically, in some form. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Friends, he says, what your nation has been looking forward to for centuries has happened. It has arrived, that moment of the Messiah stepping into human history. It's here. He is here. The King is here. There is great news of great joy for all the people. doesn't matter who you are, wealthy, poor, Australian, foreigner from overseas, wherever you've come from, you matter to God. It's for all the people. The shepherds hear this message, given to them, impressed. Something miraculous is taking place. And they get a look in to this miraculous work of God. What did he come to rescue us from? Matthew's gospel tells us that he would be called Jesus, for he will rescue his people from their sins. You see, friends, the most important thing people need saving from is not war or terrorism, but rather they need saving from their sins. I don't know about you, but a lot of people drive around and look at the Christmas lights. At Christmas, there's an example. And anywhere you go, I try not to drive too close to them because you can never get through the streets. Uh, <laughs> Christmas lights everywhere. And, uh, and you wonder how much time and effort goes into this. Some people, they spend the whole year planning. This is their yearly event, and it takes all year. It's brilliant. It's exciting. It's one of the joys of Christmas. But the lights make Christmas even more dangerous. Each year in the United States, I've read, emergency rooms treat something like 12,500 people for falls or cuts or shocks related to holiday lights. Decorations, Christmas trees. 11,600 candle-related fires. Put out your candles. Each year, resulting in 150 deaths. 173 million in property damage. And you realise Christmas, as fun as it is, even the lights lead to stress and anxiety. We just want some peace and safety. 
But friends, the most dangerous thing about Christmas is, let me say, is to ignore Jesus the Saviour. We can be so caught up in the, in the lights and the food and I enjoy all of those things and the gifts and the shopping and the beaches and the holidays, but we can ignore Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus has come to rescue us from our sins. We are beautifully created in the image of God. So look at you. You are a beautiful creation of God, created in his image for relationship with him. And yet we are deeply flawed, aren't we? Friends, let me confess, I am deeply flawed in my thoughts, my behaviours, my attitudes. I am a sinner before a holy God. And I know that, and I know the extent of my fallenness, because God thought I was so sinful that the only way he could save me is by stepping into human history, living a perfect life and dying on a cross for me. That my sin is so offensive to him and my brokenness is so terrible despite my creation in his image that God would send his son to live and suffer and die for me. Now I love the fact that Australians love the hymn Amazing Grace. That's because we don't get it. Think about it. If When you sing Amazing Grace, I was in a shopping centre a while ago and I heard it being played over the music. And it ought to be grating to us. And if you don't believe in God, it ought to upset you. Listen to the words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Sounds nice. That saved a wretch like me. Oh, hold on there. What do you mean a wretch? It means a worthless and failed human being. In singing that song, you have to admit that you're a sinner in need of a saviour. You need the Christ child who will be your saviour. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. So the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why he came to offer us free forgiveness, to offer us grace. These famous verses in John 3 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, I love that word whoever, whoever you are, whatever your background, if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but you will have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, that baby has come for a saving work. He comes to bring peace with God through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. It's a dangerous thing to miss Jesus at Christmas because if you don't get Jesus, you don't get forgiveness and you stand before God guilty and condemned until you return to him. And friends, the message is so important that we must not be quiet about it. Don't let anyone silence you. We have the message of joy. We have the message of hope. We have the message of life. Let's get that out in gentle, gracious ways to as many people as possible. It's a matter of life and death. One of my uh, failings as a human being is that I never learned to swim properly. 
My daughters are all excellent swimmers. My wife is a, a, a water, first grade water polo player and a swimmer. And I fail them. And I get a bit nervous about that. But let me tell you, when I was 11, I was at a school uh, sports day at the Enmore Pool. You don't know Enmore? Between Maryville and Newtown. And uh, I try to be brave in my swimming, so I, I often wouldn't go to the deep end, fearful that if, you know, if I get nervous, I, I may have some difficulties. So I, I was holding onto the side wall, picture me going past the middle uh, stairs towards the deep end, what we used to call the six-foots area. Anyone remember that? And then I, I went further along, and I thought, yeah, I can do this, so I let go of the wall and swam in. And then I turned around to swim back, and I, and I missed the wall. And then I panicked. I'm 11. I remember it as if it was yesterday. I remember falling down in the water and trying to get back up and staying afloat and treading water and I'm up and down and I'm losing my breath. I'm now in panic mode. I try to reach the side. I can't reach it. I don't have the capacity to, to move and to turn and I just up and down. Friends, 60 more seconds, I wouldn't be preaching here today. And then as I looked at the side of the pool, there was this young guy. He looked at me and I looked at him as I was un- he- going up and down, bobbing in the water. He wasn't sure whether I was mucking about, just like the rest of the people were just mucking about, or whether I was in dangerous need. By the grace of God, he jumped in, got close to me, he put out his hand like this, I can see it. I took it, he pulled me to the side, and I live to tell the story. He put out his hand, I took it, and he saved me. Friends, at the age of 14, I've been hearing the gospel message for about a year and a half now, reading the Bible, exploring the message of Jesus, and I realized in the same way God was saying, putting out his hand, an offer of salvation, an offer of rescue. And I put it off for a period of time. I wasn't sure what it was going to mean to follow Jesus, and I was putting it off. And one night, I think it was June 1976, I realized that God loved me. He put out his hand. He reached out to us, and I took it, and he saved me spiritually. And I'm here to tell that story. God is a saving God. He puts out his hand for you to receive it and find life. And he is a peacemaking God. Because when he saves us, we find peace with God and peace in the world. He says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. The one who comes to bring peace, based in that Middle East 2,000 years ago, In Bethlehem, born in Bethlehem, is the one who offers us peace today. But sadly, in that same place, today you could hear the bullets and the bombs in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Bethlehem is 74 kilometers from Gaza. You can hear it. Christmas is cancelled in Bethlehem today as we gather in this place and now we been cancelled in a number of cities because of the ongoing bombing and destruction. No celebrations in Bethlehem today. 
But was it simply the absence of conflict and war that Jesus was speaking about? No. That will come when Christ returns at the second coming. There will be no more war, no more hatred, no more killing, no more bombing, no more terrorists. But that's not till the second coming. But for now, Jesus has come to bring, in, in the Hebrew word, shalom. So the, the word that we use for peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is one of the key words and images for salvation in the Bible. The Hebrew word refers most commonly to a person being uninjured and safe, whole and sound. Jesus comes to bring completeness to us in every aspect. And in the New Testament, friends, shalom is revealed as a reconciliation of all things to God through the work of Christ. God was pleased, it says in Colossians 1, through Christ to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Christ's blood shed on the cross. Christ is a peacemaking God. And shalom, therefore, is experienced in, in multi-dimensional ways. It's complete well-being. God wants for you not simply just a relationship, but a complete well-being. Physical, psychological, social, spiritual. And it flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God within yourself and with others, God comes to bring a completeness of peace. Shalom. Who receives this peace? Those on whom his favour rests. Those who receive his grace. Those who trust in Jesus. Those who believe and turn from their sins. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we are made right with God through faith in Jesus. We have peace with God. We have shalom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let me say today, there is nothing like peace with God. There's nothing like a relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ. It may not seem as valuable as a new house, or a new car, or a new baby, or a new career, or a new holiday. But when you take Jesus Christ, when you receive him, you get everything you've ever truly wanted. Let me say that again. When you receive Jesus, you get everything you've ever truly wanted. Let me tell you a story. There's a story of a, a wealthy man who devoted his, uh, his life to art collecting. And he trained up his son to be an art collector as well. He had some of the finest treasures in his collection. He traveled around the world, a very wealthy man. He had uh, priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, uh, Manet, and others, and they were all on his wall in his fabulous family estate. His son, though, was called to war. His son, he said goodbye to his son. The man was a widower. And his son died in battle. Yet one of the fellow soldiers visited the father on Christmas Day. Get this, Christmas Day. And he brought to his father a portrait painted of his son. It wasn't a very good portrait, it wasn't by Picasso or Van Gogh. It wasn't with anyone famous. It was just a portrait that looked like his son. And a fellow soldier who brought it said, I want to tell you something. Your son died in the process of saving my life. More than that, your son served so well in the war that he saved many people's lives. So I bring you this portrait to remind you that we loved your son and he gave his life to save others. 
The father was overcome by emotion and knowing that his son had given his life to save others and he put up this photograph or this, uh, this painting, unlike the other famous ones, in the prime place above the fireplace. A few years went on. The father had passed away. And then the father had arranged that all his paintings would be auctioned. And everyone was excited. They all turned up to the auction, so excited about purchasing these great, priceless paintings. The auctioneer started, he said, before we get to the other paintings, I have a painting of the owner's son. People are murmuring in the crowds going, what's this painting? I mean, that's not famous at all. It's not even the very good. The auctioneer said, we don't, we can't move on until we sell this painting. As part of the instructions from the deceased that this painting must be sold first. And the auctioneer said, well, can we start with $100? Anyone for $100? you got $100 to buy this painting. And our hands went up. They're murmuring, can we just get on with this? No one wants it. And an older gentleman said, I knew the boy. I knew the family. Now, I've only got $10. Can I give you the $10? I've got a bid of $10, the auctioneer says. Any higher bids? Any higher bids? Going once at $10. Going twice. $10. Sold $10 to that man. The auctioneer then said, the auction is now over. Everyone's going, what do you mean the auction is over? We've just now come to purchase these priceless paintings. The auctioneer said, it's very simple really. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Whoever takes the son gets it all. And it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Just as those art collectors discovered on that Christmas day, the message is still the same. The love of a father, a father whose greatest joy came from his son, who went away and gave his life rescuing others. And because of that father's love, whoever takes the son gets it all. Let me say to you today, when you come to Jesus, you do not miss out on anything. When you come to Jesus, you do not miss out on anything. When you get Jesus, you get peace with God. You get forgiveness of sins. You get eternal life. You get the Holy Spirit to help you in your daily living. You are regarded as adopted children of God. We are heirs of God, the Bible says. We have all of God's inheritance. And we are co-heirs with Christ, our Savior. We have all of heaven prepared for us. We get it all. You don't miss out when you come to Jesus. You find life and find it to the full. And friends, further, when we have peace with God, it transforms us and impacts all of our relationships. God makes us peacemakers. So we, as God's people, as we go out into the world, be those who create harmony, speak words of encouragement and comfort and joy, offer forgiveness, receive forgiveness. We are peacemakers. Let me conclude. Friends, we live in a troubled world, uh, but Christians live in it with peace with God. We have shalom. We are saved and rescued from our sins. 
When you get the Son, you get it all. But we also look forward to Jesus' return. We are men and women as Christians who see the cross, see the the birth and then the cross and the resurrection, but we also see the coming again of Jesus. We live between the two comings. We know there's another coming. We know that we will die one day. We don't pretend as if we go on forever and this is all there is. Because we have God's perspective. And there will come a day. You see, the Bible says in Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne in heaven saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. We're going to walk in partnership and in fellowship with God and an increasing and a beautiful level. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. What will he do? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, I may add, or war or cancer, whatever it happens to be. For the old order of things has passed away. It's done with. Do you want peace? Pray for the second coming of Jesus. Some 20 years ago, I was at the Sydney Entertainment Centre for the School Spectacular. Anyone been to the School Spectacular? Watch your kids. My daughter was a star. She was one of the 3,000 people playing recorders. <laughs> Anyone have stars like that? <laughs> and I know she was up there somewhere in the sands. But you see, I enjoyed it. It's beautiful performance. And I was singing and dancing and, and all of that. And towards the end of that, I think 20 years ago, 9-11, Bali bombing, the world was in turmoil back then as it is today, 20 years ago. And as I heard that last song blaring, the music was blaring. It was the finale of the school spectacular. And as I listened in, I went, they're singing about Jesus. Let me listen again. How did this happen? New South Wales public schools, school spectacular, and the final song is about the hope of Jesus. And I had no idea who Faith Hill was, I do now. There's a song, There Will Come a Day. And blasting to thousands of people. These are the words. It's not easy trying to understand how the world can be so cold, stealing the souls of man. Cloudy skies rain down on all of your dreams. You wrestle with the fear and doubt. Sometimes it's hard, but you've got to believe. And then the verse says, there's a better place where our Father waits. And every tear he'll wipe away. The darkness will be gone. The weak shall be strong. Hold on to your faith. There will come a day. Wars are raging. Lives are scattered. Innocence is lost. And hopes are shattered. The old are forgotten. The children are forsaken. In this world we're living in, isn't anything sacred? There's a better place where our Father waits. And every tear he'll wipe away. The darkness will be gone and the weak shall be strong. Hold on to your faith. There will come a day. And it gets better than that. Songs will ring out down those golden streets. The voices of earth, the angels will sing. Every knee will bow. Sin will have no trace in the glory of his amazing grace. Every knee will bow. Sin will have no trace in the glory of his amazing grace. There will come a day. Sing that a few times. There will come a day. There will come a day. Oh, there will come a day. I know there's coming a day. Coming a day. There's coming a day. 
the ultimate peace will come. Sin will have no trace because of God's amazing grace. Do you know him? Have you got this Jesus? Do you know him? Does he move your heart? Does he move your soul? He's got to touch your heart, move your soul, direct your life. There's nothing like getting Jesus. Friends, if you want to know more about following, knowing following Jesus Christ in, in the foyer today, on the side you'll have a copy of the New Testament, your Bible, and your Holy Bible. If you don't have a copy, feel free to take one, have a read of that. We have these little booklets called Why Christmas by Nicky Gumbel as the uh, leader of the Alpha Course. Great introduction and a core message of Christianity. We'd love for you to take one. If you've got some family members and friends, take a few more and hand them out at Christmas. Encourage people to discover the truth about Jesus and find their lives transformed. Let me pray. Lord God, we come to you with humility to know that you loved us so deeply that you stepped into human history in your son, became mortal, vulnerable, just speaks of grace and mercy and it brings us joy and hope and peace. We thank you for your son. His name would be Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. We thank you for the offer of forgiveness and peace with you. May we experience shalom, the shalom that only you can bring, for the glory of your name. Amen.